0: Well, thanks, Georgia and Harold, who knew that we could learn so much from a puppet, hey? Wonderful to have them as part of church in the last few weeks. I just want to add my welcome to what's already been given today. My name's Jonah. It's been my honour to serve Axis for the last year here and just regularly open up God's story as we look at the scriptures each week and uh, learn more about engaging with this God who we actually are convinced loves us. And not loving some future version of us, but loves us right where we are, right now. And as humans, we constantly have this 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 thought in the back of our mind that when I do more more giving, more Bible reading, more good works, then maybe then I'll be acceptable to God. Or when I do less less swearing, or less smoking, or less drinking, then God might accept me. But the message of the the Bible this 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 story from God is quite stunning in this regard. He just says, come as you are, come now. Don't, don't wait for some future day when you've got your life all together. Come to me as you are. Our reading today, though, will highlight the gap between where we are right now and this calling that God has put on our lives. There is a gap. There is a gap between where I am now and where God wants me to be. But the stunning part is I work from God's approval not for God's approval. He wants me to come. He wants you to come right as we are today. I hope this revelation becomes more and more real to you in these moments we get to share together. Let's jump right in now and read from God's word, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and it says this, God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are His and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, the cheap ones for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, and it's a big if, isn't it? It's conditional on us. If you keep your life pure, you'll be a special utensil for honourable use. Your life will be clean. You'll be ready for the master to use for every good work. Run from anything that stimulates you for lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. And may the Lord add His blessing to the reading of His holy word. Every time we pick up our Bibles, we've got to take note of context. Now the context of this particular book of the Bible, Second Timothy, Timothy's a young gun of a leader. And this older guy, this uh, quintessential leader, Paul, who's the old apostle, he knows the curtains are coming down on his life. This is Paul. It's his final letter. And he's writing to this young guy, Timothy, to implore him, to fulfill the calling that God has put him put on his life. It's this, this big download from older guy, Paul, to younger guy, Timothy. And he's trying to set up this young guy to win in leadership. And the call is this. Be ready-made, Timothy, for God to use. And if we skimmed earlier throughout the chapter, we'd see these uh, things like this pass on the teachings that I've invested into you in verse 2. In verse 3, stay focused, Timothy, as you endure leadership challenges. In verse 15, be a willing student as you engage in being a teacher of others. All these things come up in our reading, but I guess the thing that strikes me here in this message from Paul to Timothy is this. You know, Timothy, God is fussy. God is picky when it comes to him choosing to partner with someone in his good work. When God is looking to make a move in his world, he always partners up with someone who's got a pure heart. And that's the brutal reality of 2 Timothy 2.21. If you keep yourself pure, if you keep yourself pure, God will be happy to come alongside and do mighty things with your life. Now, this is a bit confusing, perhaps, because we started by saying, you know, that God wants to relate to us now. And isn't the basis of relating to God by grace, which is unmerited favor, doesn't he want to accept me just as I am? Yes, he does, absolutely. Any friendship with God is fueled by grace. But as we get into this chapter in 2 Timothy 2, we learn that there's two distinct things here to consider then. Our entrance into God's family needs only a willing heart. That's always true. But our entrance into God's mission actually requires something different, a pure heart. Now, if you're new to faith and you're just coming to terms with all of this idea of God existing and wanting to be a friend, and and this is all just brand new for you, then stay right there, swim in that end of the pool. It's a wonderful place to be, explore, learn about God's love. Know that He is embracing you. Just know there's another end of the pool. And at the other end of the pool, God doesn't take us down there to drown us. He actually invites us into His mission work. That's at the deep end. And basically the realisation is this, that, that, that when you want to transition into that deep end, oh, Maybe my life is not just about me. Maybe there's more to the story than just God loves me. God wants to use me as a conduit for which his love flows through. And it's at that end of the spectrum, if you like, that we discover this purity issue. What's going on in our hearts really, really matters. So Timothy's given this three-pronged focus by his mentor Paul here to maintain this life of purity. He's directed to live a life on the run. So here's what to do, Timothy, Paul says, run from evil, run towards godliness, and run with God seekers. Run from evil, run towards godliness, run with God seekers. Run from evil. Timothy, run from all that is bad. You being useful to God requires this. Verse 22, run from anything, that stimulates you for lust. Run away from that, Timothy. It's dangerous. It will not only harm you as a person, it will harm your capacity to, for God to use you to bless anybody else. Keep your distance from youthful lust. Don't get caught up in them. They'll have a devastating effect on your life. You'll forfeit your place as an honourable player in God's mission. So Timothy, steer clear of evil. I think it's worth us pondering, why is this word run? Used here. I mean, why not just walk? Why not just ignore temptation? Why not just pretend it doesn't exist? Why run from it? Why the dramatic speech? I think there's a couple of reasons why run is most appropriate. Because temptation is so incredibly dangerous and because we are so incredibly vulnerable to it. It's best to run because the nature of temptation is dangerous. Think about being up in far north Queensland, the crocodiles that exist there, and you're in the waterways and suddenly you spot a crocodile. Are you going to sit and analyse the situation carefully or are you going to run? You're going to run for your life because you need to, because you're in danger. Same thing with temptation. And we run because we are so vulnerable to it. The Bible talks about sin being deceitful. It kind of creeps up on us. It sneaks up on us. And the father of lies is a master when it comes to this. He comes and kind of whispers things. He doesn't make big, bold statements. He kind of just suggests a few quiet things for consideration. Things like this. Young lady, doesn't matter if you sleep with the guy. I mean, you're engaged. It's only a matter of time before you're married. There's no shame. Get on with it. Have some fun. Or another example is just just, just cruise over the speed limit on the way home. It's late at night. Everybody does it. There's no police around at this time. Everybody speeds. The roads are quiet. Just do it. Or it doesn't matter if you stop giving. I mean, things are really tight. Everybody would understand, even God understands. Abort generosity. What do we do with all these deceitful whispers? Do we flirt? <laughs> we flee, we run, we run a mile. John Piper was right, I think, when he speaks from experience, most likely in saying this. When it comes to temptation, we've got five seconds. That's how long. And if we don't run quickly away from it, it tends to get its claws into us and really do damage. We must, must run. The best example in Scripture of a runner is Joseph. We don't have time to go into the full story. You can go there in your own time. Genesis 39. Joseph is this wonderful man. He's just committed his whole life to doing right. But things keep going wrong for him. We don't have time to delve into the full story today. Just know this. He's got this golden opportunity, if I can say it like that, to sleep with his boss's wife. Because the scripture says this, Joseph had complete responsibility over everything his boss owned. He was in a palace and he has complete responsibility over everything. In other words, interpreted, he could have slept with this lady and got away with it. Nobody's asking questions about Joseph lady realises that. She understands they could have wild sex and get away with it. Nobody's going to ask questions because Joseph is squeaky clean. Nobody checks on this guy. Nobody follows up on him. He's got the full run of the place. And she says, hey, how about it? We could keep this our dirty secret. And he says, uh-uh, he won't flirt. He flees. He runs. John, well, you know of these youthful lusts you talk about, I mean, pfft, I'm well beyond 30. I'm not really in the youthful lust stage. I'm that is all expired for me. Well, huh, the lusts that emerge in our youth tend to endure beyond it. They emerge in our youth, but they endure beyond our youth. Youthful lusts aren't just for youth. It's just when they get kick-started. As we mature, so do the temptations, and the dark side continues to come up with new and inventive ways to draw us away and distract us from the calling of God. Our best response is run, run. Run as though your life depends on it, because it does. We don't just run away from that which is bad. The calling here is to actually run towards, towards that which is good. And godly, one of the things I love about God and His call in our lives is it's not negative, not at all. Contrary to popular belief, God and following God is not just about a list of should nots, it's all about focusing on that which is positive and life giving. What we are running from is never our biggest emph- emphasis, what we are running to always is. The emphasis isn't on the bad that we are avoiding, it's on the good that we are achieving. This is our older leader here, council's younger leader, Timothy. Timothy, don't just make your life about all the things you can't do. That's plain boring and dull and small-minded, pessimistic. Don't let the bad stuff become your focus. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. See, the real emphasis is not on where I'm coming from yesterday. It's where I'm going today. This is what God wants me to be infatuated with. And the moment I begin to define my walk of faith by everything I've given up instead of everything I'm gaining, I'm missing the joy, I'm missing the beauty, I'm missing the God connection, I'm missing the opportunity to be overwhelmed by the gratitude of all He's done in my life. And that is what is supposed to have me in a tailspin. And that is what fuels this change where the love And the faithfulness and the peace are working out in my character. I'm not sort of following this checklist to make sure I've been a good boy. I'm swept up by a love that's divine. I'm running towards that which is good. But I'm also running with. Notice this in the scripture. I'm running with. Run from anything that stimulates you for lust. Instead, pursue righteous living. Run towards these things. But don't miss this third part. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Timothy, spend your life on the run, away from evil, towards godliness. But Timothy, don't dare try and do that all by yourself. Make sure you're running in partnership with other God seekers. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. So the message is invite others into your faith journey. Timothy, as you start off on this leadership journey, don't dare try and do it alone. Faith is a team sport. God willing, not COVID willing, God willing, we'll be back together in person next weekend. And the following weekend, we we begin this new series, Come Together. Now this idea of coming together isn't about breaking the rules. It's not about shaking hands and hugging each other. That physical dynamic is important and when it's appropriate, it's healthy, of course. But coming together is so much more. It's being present in each other's life stories. It's sharing struggles. It's praying deeply. It's being emotionally aware. It's sharing all the highs and lows of life. And this is the message of 2 Timothy 2, run with. Run with, do life together. Faith is a team sport. It's always best done communally. If you're going to stay out of trouble, if you're going to live this pure life, if you're going to have this pure heart, you need each other. I need you, you need me. And this is where the conversation gets a little prickly though. Because no doubt, some of you are saying, ha, ah, Hold right there, stop sign. I've tried that before. I've tried honesty and people used it against me. My honesty equated to their rejection. I tried to open up, I tried to share struggles, I tried to bring the real version of myself to the table. I tried to run with the church, God's people, other believers and all that honesty got used against me. I hate when that happens. If that's your experience, I'm really, really sorry. As of this year, I've been in pastoral ministry for a decade. 2011 I started, and over that 10-year period, there's pretty much nothing I haven't heard. I get to hear people's stories. And how this often plays out is people come for a chat and they start all timid. And sometimes words flow like this, I, I, I've never told anybody this, but here goes. And they tell me their story. They tell me their, their secret. Sometimes it's really, really sad. And a, ma- a marriage struggle has arisen because a husband's looking at porn instead of his wife. Terribly sad. But, but they kind of wait with bated breath on my response. Will I reject them after the hearing their big bad secret? No, there's nothing new under the sun. It's not really a shock. There's other stories out there like people struggling with same-sex attraction or other courageous people who've actually been sinned against with sexual abuse and the like and have sat on that story for 10 or 20 or 30 years. There's couples who desperately want to fall pregnant and finally do and then lose the child All of these stories, many of them secrets that get carried around. And as I mentioned all of those scenarios, I guess you're not surprised. You're not shocked. You don't feel exposed because I'm not necessarily talking about you. But the moment I attach your name to one of those stories, it's a different story. It's like, oh no, are you saying I have issues? Well, We all do. We all have issues. And if only we could get better at running with, doing life together, instead of trying to cover them up and pretend we don't have any. Just how many of us approach community kind of like this, please don't notice, please don't see the thing that I'm trying to hide. We're not really good at running with, we don't feel safe to do so. But friends, I, I think it's the only safe way to live, actually. I've been rattled in the last week or so. To find another respected leader has really, really big issues. His name is Ravi Zacharias. It's become apparent he'd stopped running from evil. He'd stop running with God's people, with a pure heart. And RZIM, reluctantly, I might add, released a statement in the last couple of weeks, and I quote now, saying this. We have found significant, credible evidence that Mr Zacharias engaged in sexual misconduct over the course of many years. My heart sinks when I hear that. The name of the Lord is tarnished. He was a man so gifted at speaking and staying on the platform, the world stood in awe of him. He was amazing. And I hear this report and he's got issues. He had issues. And for me, this gets personal because I kind of step back and go, who then can I trust? Because that story sits on top of another story for me, and that is the story of Bill Hybels, another well-known worldwide leader who was incredibly influential in my life, informing me in my early leadership journey. And he too resigns under suspicious circumstances with a similar story. And yet underneath Bill's story sits another story, even more personal for me, because my own spiritual mentor, when I was Timothy, 20 years old, turns out to be a phony and does so much damage around this nation, that I wouldn't even dare repeat on camera the behaviours of what he got up to. He didn't want to face his issues. The day he got confronted about them, he disappeared in the thin air. And all those stories laid on top of one another draw me into the corner where I just want to become the cynic. And I just want to go, yeah, I've got issues, but I'm not going to trust you with them. I'm going to pretend. I'm going to pretend I don't have any. I'm going to hide away because that's the only safe thing to do. I'm going to guard my heart. I'm going to hold my stuff in tight. I'm not going to tell anybody anything. I get it. But you know, the three men I just mentioned, that was their exact problem. They hid their issues away instead of holding them up. And being honest, you say, Jono, what did you expect them to do? Admit they're having lustful thoughts. I mean, that would have been so embarrassing. It would have ruined their ministry. I'm not sure. Holding the secret sure has. We need to get so much better at running with. So what you're saying, oh, is... I need to just admit I've got problems. I need to just get loud and proud and show it off anywhere and everywhere. No, that's not really the goal. The climax of this passage is this. We get to call on the Lord together. We get to call on the Lord. The idea here is to not wear my issues out there loud and proud and say, look at how bad I am. The idea is I just own up before God but before people and just go, I have issues. How about you join me in calling on the Lord about them? You say, "John, that sounds wonderful. If only I could trust anybody because the people in my circle, I think if I trusted them with what's really going on in here, they wouldn't call on the Lord, they'd be calling their friends. I can't guarantee you no bruises. I only know from experience that we are far better placed doing life together in community, sharing what's going on, than we are keeping secrets. The only thing clear is we've got to do it together. We've got to run from evil. We've got to run towards what's good, but we've got to run with. We run with all those God seekers who call upon him, longing for a pure heart, longing for a life that reflects the beauty of Jesus and portrays that to a watching world. So help us, God. Would you join me in prayer? God, sometimes this whole process of growing and changing and moving into the deep end of the pool wow, it's a bit scary. We feel the growing pains. We feel vulnerable. And we ask that your perfect love today would come right now in this moment. Come, Holy Spirit, and let your perfect love cast out fear Lord, give us the capacity to not only trust you today, but to trust those who are walking alongside us in life and to get better at sharing what's going on and to get better as hearers, as we hear those stories, to not use that information against people, never ever, but to be people who call on the name of the Lord together. Grow that heart in us, Lord both for ourselves and for one another. Lord, today in the crushing, in the pressing, help us trust you and help us know you are changing our lives for the better. Lord, we give our hearts to you afresh in these moments.